Uh, please keep that passage open. Luke chapter 1, page 1025. Good Anglicans know that that's called the Magnificat. Don't they? Yes, good. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you, look at this song of Mary, the mother of Jesus. We ask that you will help us. Your Holy Spirit inspired this to be recorded for us. So this is your message to us through Mary. And Father, we ask now that you will help us to see what that means for us and to respond to it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus in the manger in Bethlehem, is the breaking in of God's kingdom. That's the kind of language that we use all the time in Christian circles. The coming of, the, of Jesus is the coming of the king who brings in the kingdom that then unfolds through the ministry of Jesus, that is, in his life, in his teaching, in his miracles, ultimately in his death and resurrection, and will come to its final conclusion when he returns. So Christmas is a reminder that in the birth of Jesus, God's kingdom breaks in. You all know that. Question is, what does that mean when we talk about the breaking in of God's kingdom? In our calendars, traditionally in the West, we've had B.C., before Christmas, before Christ, and A.D., which is the year of our Lord. We live in the era of the kingdom of Jesus. What's the difference between B.C. and A.D.? What's the difference? Well, we have iPhones, don't we? We have those amazing sound systems where you can play from different speakers, and, and there are no wires. Isn't that extraordinary? We have Spotify. Uh, a friend of mine back in the UK recently bought a Tesla. He has more money than I can even imagine. Uh, Tesla is the top-of-the-range electric car. I, I don't know whether you've seen it. It is extraordinary. And I saw a video of a Tesla being driven down a motorway and then off through some side streets and it was overtaking cars, it was moving out from parked cars, it was accelerating, it was coming up to junctions and stopping, and nobody was controlling it. The driver was hands off. Isn't that extraordinary? Is that what's the difference between B.C. and A.D.? Is that all that we're talking about? What do we mean when we say that in the stable, in the manger in Bethlehem, that baby Jesus brought in the kingdom? It's a really important question. Here's how I think we tend to answer it. The coming of the kingdom means that it's possible for anybody now to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter what nationality you come from. It doesn't matter about your intellect. It doesn't matter how religious you've been in the past. Anybody can now have a personal relationship with God anywhere in the world through Jesus Christ. That's true. That is amazingly true. And then sometimes we give a second answer, which is the coming of Jesus means that when you die, you go to heaven. That's putting it very crudely, but better would be to say, we will be members of the new creation. The death is not the end. We will experience resurrection to life in the new creation. So there's hope for this life. We have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we have a hope in the face of death that we will be part of God's new creation and live with him in forever. And there will be no more tears, no more crying, no more death, no more pain. Both of those things are true. Gloriously true. But if that's all you think the kingdom is, then I want to try to expand your horizons this morning. Because the coming of the kingdom doesn't just make a difference for individuals and their relationship with God. It doesn't just affect our eternal destiny and give us hope in the face of death. The coming of the kingdom changes everything. Everything. There is now a new power at work in the world in a new kind of way with the coming of the kingdom of Jesus. And that changes everything. Absolutely everything. And that change begins in the manger in Bethlehem and it continues and one day it will come to completion. And so AD means we live in a completely different world from BC. Let's have a look at this. And we're going to look at it in three areas. I want to look at the change that Jesus brings with the coming of the kingdom in terms of people. Human beings, that is. I want to look at the change that he brings in terms of power how the world works. And thirdly, I want to look at how it brings about change. Let's have a look at people. The coming of the kingdom means a new era for people and not least for women. Not least for women. In fact, if I read the Bible correctly, one of the most striking changes that the gospel brings is precisely in relation to women. This story is a story about a young woman, Mary. But we need to begin back in Genesis 2, right at the beginning, where the man is placed in a garden, and you remember it's like paradise, but God says it's not good for the man to be alone. Which, as I keep saying, doesn't mean he is lonely. God creates the woman for him not as an answer to loneliness, 
Women are not a psychological prop for men. Okay? You got that. It's not good for the man to be alone because the purposes that God has entrusted to human beings, which is to bring about God's purposes for his creation, cannot be completed without the woman. The woman is essential if together men and women, if human beings are to bring about God's purposes. Now, if you read through the Old Testament, you get glimpses of how women are really important. But they're only glimpses. And so you read of Moses' sister, Miriam, and how she's highlighted. You hear about people like Deborah, of Hannah, of Ruth, and so on. But here, with Mary, the mother of Jesus, it all reaches a climax Mary, in many ways, could be described as the fulfillment of all that women, women should be. She is the new Eve. She is woman restored, or at least the beginnings of a restoration as to what women should be. The kingdom, the coming of Jesus, changes things for women. Have a look at this. Changes things in that Mary exemplifies as the true woman the relationship with God that people should have with God. Do you notice how that's described? Mary said, verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She understands that God is God and she isn't. But that God is great. She praises him, but she recognizes that she needs him. He is her savior. It talks about, she talks about the humble state of his servant. She is lonely, lowly. She is not full of pride. She recognizes that she is God's servant. She exemplifies a relationship with God that should be true of all human beings. And in a sense, she embodies all that Israel as God's servant should have been. Isn't that extraordinary? At this climax, it comes to a woman. Not a man, but a woman. To exemplify all that Israel should have been. Because Israel is called God's servant. It is through Israel that those promises, as we'll see in a moment of God rescuing the world, of saving it, of bringing it to completion through human beings. It will come through Israel. And here is the product of Israel. You could say that all of Israel's history is working towards this event and this one person, a woman, Mary. Her relationship with God exemplifies all that a person's relationship with God should be. Secondly, her role in God's purposes. She is the means by which God in Christ enters the world and rescues it and brings its purposes to completion. It's through a woman that God changes the world. You remember Genesis 2? It's not good for the man to be alone. He needs the woman. And here she is, the woman. 
Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. God sent his son, born of a woman. Here we see woman being raised to the level that God had in mind for women. Without her, God's purposes would not come to pass. And so she says, doesn't she? All generations will call me blessed. Verse 48. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. No other human being is favored in quite the way this woman is. The coming of the kingdom changes everything for women. She exemplifies the relationship with God that Israel always should have had but never did. And human beings should have. She is essential for bringing about God's purposes. And thirdly, she looks forward from the manger to the future that unfolds in the kingdom. See, what is it about the relationship between men and women in the kingdom? Well, Paul puts it like this in Galatians chapter 3. He says, there's no male or female, which is not to say that gender distinctions don't matter. He is saying that in the kingdom of Jesus, there is equality between men and women. No male or female. And in a sense, Mary is looking forward to that age that's breaking in in the coming of Jesus. If you're a woman this morning, you live in a highly misogynistic world. It has always been deeply misogynistic. The kingdom of Jesus changes everything. The position of women in the kingdom of Jesus is radically different. coming of Jesus changes things for people. It changes things in terms of power. We all know the way the world works, doesn't it? It works through military power, economic power, the ability to control the media through force, through the manipulation of people. That's how power works. That's how politics works. We know that we live in a world that that is extremely unequal and where justice and fairness is more available to the rich than it is to the poor. But the kingdom of Jesus upends everything. In this kingdom, power is not exercised in that kind of way. Virtue trumps wealth and influence and status. God's concern His heart is for those who are vulnerable, not those who trust in their power, whether it's money, whether it's economic, whether it's political, or whether it's military. Look at what Mary says. Verse 50, His mercy extends to those who fear Him. That is, for those who reverence God, who understand who He is. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent empty away. 
the kingdom upends everything in terms of power, which is a huge encouragement to those who are vulnerable and weak. And a huge warning to those who put their trust in the power of this world. The kingdom upends everything. Changes things for people, changes things in terms of power, and here's the last thing. AD is different from BC. Let's go back to that. If you think about BC, before Christ, one of the ways you could describe it is that it's just more of the same. Nations come and nations go, empires rise and fall, the dominant language changes, the names of the emperors and the rulers and so on changes, but nothing changes. The world and its history is in the hands of the kingdoms of this world. But in the manger in Bethlehem, a new power began. A new kingdom. And what started from the manger in Bethlehem has worked its way across the world and has changed everything. We live in a radically different world, not just because of technological advancement. But even there, there are those who I think, interestingly, would argue that technological development owes an awful lot to the manger as well. But we live in a different world where the kinds of things that we take for granted about the concern for the poor and for the weak and for the vulnerable, those things that we say describe us as modern people, they owe their origin to the manger and not to Greece or Rome or even the Enlightenment. The world has been changed because of Jesus Christ bringing in the kingdom. There is a new power at work. And that means that people's ideas have been changed so that even people who don't acknowledge Jesus are actually doing the things that accord with the kingdom in some way. There are people who are working for justice. There are people who are working for the poor and the impoverished who are not Christians. But their thinking has been shaped by what happened and came out of the manger in Bethlehem. The world is a different place. And all this is related to the past, you'll notice, because it's through Israel. So notice how this ends. In verse 54, he's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Those promises go back. They go back to the promises that God has made right from the beginning to Abraham. There begins that story of Israel. And Abraham has made those promises so that all the nations of the earth will be affected. And they come to this climax in Mary and the birth of Jesus. Here we see God's faithfulness to Abraham and therefore his faithfulness to the world. And the unleashing of a new power the power of the kingdom in the world. Let's pull all this together. I wonder if some of us need to have our vision expanded for the kingdom. 
It's not just about a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, glorious as that is. The kingdom changes everything. And bit by bit, it is changing things. Yes, it's opposed. Yes, there is enormous darkness around, and that will continue until Jesus returns. But the world is a different place because of the manger. Expand your horizons. Secondly, remember that God values what the world so often doesn't. The poor, the vulnerable, the victims. Those who recognize that they have no power of their own, as opposed to those who trust in their power. God looks with favor on those who recognize their need. And so if you're here this morning and maybe you're here as a woman and you have been feeling over these last weeks the effects of living in a deeply misogynistic society, remember that God values women. Remember Mary. If you're feeling crushed by some of the things that are going on in your life, remember, God is open to the vulnerable and the weak who turn to Him. And He turns away the rich and the powerful who trust in their wealth and in their power and in their intellect and all those things. So be encouraged. And finally... As the church of Jesus Christ, which is the demonstration of the kingdom, it is supremely the place where the kingdom should be demonstrated. Do you see how important it is that the church should be the church? Church is the shop window of the kingdom. The things that Jesus brought in from the manger in Bethlehem onwards ought to be most clearly demonstrated amongst those who claim to be his followers. We need to be the church, individually and corporately. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us, and we ask, Father, please help us. Help us to rejoice in the amazing things that began in Bethlehem to rejoice that we live A.D. and not B.C., to be aware of where your kingdom is at work in all kinds of ways. Above all, Father, please help us to be those who live out the kingdom, demonstrate the kingdom, speak the kingdom. Please help us to be a community of people where people experience the kingdom of Jesus present here amongst us. And Father, we ask this in his name. Amen.